I'm hoping it's a natural relieve this pain. Go to the doctors. What's wrong with you? Freaking Americans, I, dude. I am going oh, to the doctor tomorrow. I am in the throes of pain, literally on my deathbed, one foot in the grave. No, I won't see the doctor, though. Hello everyone, it is that time of the month again, time for Anime Club After Dark to pop a squad and hit you with all the best and worst of what we have been indulging in recently. I am your host Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and tonight I am just joined by our czar of source material, John. Alex, I bet you wish you could be popping a squat right now. Oh god, I, I think I'm constipated right now, boy does it hurt, oh my god. Don't get old. Man, it, it's funny because Chinoda last night was talking about his body falling apart too, and it's like, oh my god, we're all getting old and our bodies are falling apart. <laughs> Bro, I feel it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh god. Anyway, uh, so since it is the two of us, um, let's just jump right into it. John, I have to say, mm -hmm. you've been screaming at me in our Discord server for... Mm -hmm. Over two months now to watch Skip and Loafer because you think I would enjoy it. I'm happy to report because I can see that smirk on your face. Mm -hmm. You were right. <laughs> yeah. I'm hardly ever wrong. No, man. I, I didn't think I would enjoy this as much as I did going in. But boy, by the end of it, did it become one of my favorite anime of this year? Yeah, it's because it's so unsuspectingly good. Mm. Um, I will say though, because Natai also watched it and he he wrote down here skip and loafer more like skipped and loafer and I'm like terrible pun. We, but we we don't he has bad taste anyway. <laughs> the the manga is a monthly release manga, and the anime basically adapts one or two chapters an episode. It's mm -hmm. very slow, and a, it, it, there's a lot of character building and a lot of depth to them, but it takes mm. a while to get to them. So I can see why people, if they watch it, they're like, because it's it's supposed to be a rom-com, but there's not a lot of rom. There's more calm and slice of life. It's Com way more of a slice of life than a romance. But it's more about the character building and stuff like that and just like understanding a lot and just watching the yeah. interactions. And it, it's it's really good. I, I really enjoy it. It It's not your typical rom-com because it's no. more of a slice of life comedy than anything. And the but two... I still recommend people watch it because it's just, it's cute. Dude, it's, it's wholesome so as fuck. Yeah. Uh the two main characters are absolutely adorable. <laughs> but I I don't know. It's hard to tell people to watch Given Loafer without like understanding why they would hate it cuz it is very slow. I will say that. Uh it will take like another season for it to get into really good good character development for them. Mm -hmm. Like they, it ends off in Skip and Loafer literally right before, like, the, the part in the manga where it, it's, like, really hooked me. Like, oh, I was like, oh, man, I, like, freaking love reading this. So. Yeah, I, I was hooked, like, I want to say by the second episode, I was completely hooked. Uh, it's like, this, I, I don't see this developing into, like, a massive romance thing. I see way more comedy and slice life in this, and I'm like, I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. it it's, I won't say it's as, like, like healing or Iashike is something like Flying Witch, but right. it's not far off. Yeah, it's definitely not a healing anime because there's there is drama involved and stuff. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's a slice of life. 
And I understand that people, <laughs> there are quite a lot of people who don't like watching Slice of Life because of stuff like that. But I think it's good. I think if you're looking for something out there that's like wholesome and very slice of lifey to watch and you haven't watched Skip and Loafer yet, definitely pick this up because you will you will enjoy it. John, you and, and Chinoda, I want to be fair because Chinoda also said, Alex, you're going to enjoy the hell out of this. Just watch it. Watch it. And I'm like, yeah, OK, I'll get to it. And boy, I'm glad I watched it. I know there's like uh, two other shows from the spring season you heavily recommended to me. One was Magical Destroyers, which apparently no one else liked. A lot of people hated the ending, <laughs> and I can see why. However, I think it's a good show still, regardless. Which is something uh, that is an uh, anime I will be watching soon. Um and I look forward to either saying you're right or wrong about that again. Um, there's another one. I can't remember what it was now that you suggested from the spring season. I watch my clueless um, first friend. Yes, that. Oh, my, now you want to talk about diabetes, bro. You're going to watch this show. And you're going to be like, I need an insulin shot before and after this freaking show. <laughs> that show is so cute. Oh, my Speed God. Double fisting the insulin right into your heart. Just like fucking mainline that bitch, man. <laughs> is it really that wholesome? I, I, I don't want to spoil anything about it. You just need to watch, <laughs> watch literally the first episode, and then you'll understand. Chinoda is watching it right now, and he keeps messaging me. Like, is that the one he keeps? Is that the one he keeps posting about in our Discord server every so often? Like, bro, this is too wholesome. <laughs> yes, the one he posts in my channel. Yeah, yeah, he's like, bro, yeah. this is so wholesome. What the fuck? Bro, it's such a cute show. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's another gem of the season. Like, I, I, of the three, because those are all from spring, mm -hmm. I think my favorite from them is probably going to be my clueless first friend, mm. personally. Even though I really like Skip and Loafer and Magical Destroyers, the one that has a more lasting impression on me, just because I'm a little biased because I love cute things quite a mm. lot like you can see look at all my stuffies over here look at that look at that polar bears yeah. look at that look at that Freaking uh tan line though yeah i know <laughs> my tan. it's what happens when i stand outside in the sun in 90 degree weather for two hours johnny johnny two-tone <laughs> johnny two-tone listen here she <laughs> uh but uh, yeah, I, I think my clueless first friend is definitely something I really recommend to people if they really want to watch something that's really cute. Um, of a, I'd say it's a rom com, more of a rom com than like Skip and Lover. There's a okay. a lot more rom in it involved. There were some um, in the spring season this year. There were some like hidden gems. I think that if people actually took the time to watch them, they actually might enjoy them. Surprisingly so, because I remember when we did the spring preview, we were thinking like this season's going to be kind of barren. <laughs> it was not. Yeah, it wasn't. There was uh, those those three gems exact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I enjoyed, I mean you also had Oshinoko, which was a huge hit, and Demon Slayer. I I enjoyed last season a lot more than I'm currently enjoying this season. I, that that much is for sure. Because like, what are you currently watching from this season? A lot of stuff. Um, watching like Zom Eight. 100 is surprisingly good. Yeah, I mean, knowing nothing about Zom 100 going into it, I was just like, okay, why is this so hype? Like, what, what, who is Bug Films? Like, no one knows who Bug Films is. And I looked up Bug, like, after I watched Zom 100, I was like, yo, this anime is actually like episode one. I was like, I'm hooked. Mm. <laughs> like, the premise was funny as fuck because, like, 
don't you hate fucking working? Wouldn't you rather survive in a zombie apocalypse? I'm like, yeah, same, bro. Yeah, bro. <laughs> bro. Instead of being a fucking corporate slave, I'd rather deal with a zombie apocalypse. Like, that is a sentiment I feel a lot of people can get behind. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the first episode, and I'm just like, yo, this is hella depressing. Because <laughs> it's like the first half of the episode is just about being stuck a corporate, in corporate a wave life. slave. Yeah. And I'm just like, bro, I feel this man's pain 110%. And then, like, the, the fucking animation, the, the fucking colors, the sound quality. I'm just like, this film is, or this anime is fucking amazing. Bug Films, who are you? And then I go to their website, and they're like, oh, yeah, we worked on Comey Can't Communicate. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. They also worked on um one other show. I, I keep forgetting what it was. They helped on a different other show. But Comey Can't uh, Communicate was, like, their, um like, on their website, they were like, yeah, we, we helped make Comey Can't Communicate. Mm-hmm. and then it was like another show and that was it and then it was like zom 100 is like their first show that they're um the main producers on mm-hmm. or the main production studio on which is insane and i'm like who are you we talked about this last time too when we talked about zom 100 and I'm, I'm still like i don't know who bug films is normally also, i'd like to like, point out if you go to their actual website it's very professionally produced <laughs> yeah because normally when we see studios we're like okay obviously like you know trigger it's like okay that was the ex gynex people we know that that's the ex yeah. gynex people that made like um topo tanginger and login we um, know shaft is the people who like to make you know big brain avant-garde shit yeah shaft and clamp are like synonymous with each other um we know that i'm trying to think of oh my god who's the other studios pa works A- I, wit who does who did wit come from uh production ig they were oh, okay. production ig okay well i know that like studio 8-bit is the um the madhouse Ex-ma- people yeah ex madhouse <laughs> employees yeah yeah so it's like normally when you see them you're like okay i know what production studio you came from bug films i have zero idea like i don't remember anyone making animation like this before like i didn't like comey can't communicate because i hate the manga um and the show was also super freaking mid However, I will say it was beautifully animated. It looked really good. And oh, the, the other uh, the the other song was really good. The other anime you were thinking of that they also worked on was Summertime Rendering from last Summertime year. Rendering, yeah, which I remember people were saying was really good. It, it is a fun. really good anime that I think a lot of people overlooked last year. Uh, because it was locked in... Um, behind Disney Jail, yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Thanks, we bought Disney. this IP and We're not going to show you. <laughs> no one can watch it, though. Like, why Disney? <laughs> Why, Why can't anyone watch this? Uh, so the the like the the style of Zom One Hundred is to me it's like a combination of something you'd see from like David Production and Shaft. It's like if David Production and Shaft had a baby, Bug Films would be it. I can't put my finger on who Bug Films used to be, and I you know I wish I could read Moon Runes, and I wish I could ask like send him an email and ask an interview like, hey, hmm. so we want to know like what's your origin story. Yeah. Uh, if anyone out there is watching this or listening to this and does know, let us know because we are genuinely curious. Yeah, I'm curious. I really am. But uh, other than that, what else yeah, this entire this season? season. Oh, my God. So I, I remember watching or the reading through the list when we did our um, preview for the summer. Mm-hmm. And I recognized a bunch of titles. And I'm like, oh, God, these mangas are so freaking mid. 
and they got animes. I can't believe this. <laughs> the first one being Classroom for Heroes. It is painfully mid. It is so boring, and I hate it. <laughs> and I, I don't... It's a real hallmark of an anime when I watch... I think one episode about six, seven. We're halfway through the season now, right? Oh, roughly, yeah. So it'd be we'd be around episode five to seven on most shows. So I'm halfway through the season for this show, and I do not remember the plot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I kind of remember he did like. There's two major things I remember that happened, and that's about it. And I'm like, other than that, I cannot tell you any of the characters. That's names. bad, though. If 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 a if a work of fiction is so uninspiring or unfulfilling for you that like halfway through you can't even remember what the damn plot is, it's like, Bro, like that's even, bad. They don't even have good like silhouettes because so a good character silhouette means you can recognize them even if it's black and white. Yeah, we talked about that on the podcast. The idea of a silhouette character. It's like you just all you have to have is the outline and you can tell who the character yeah. is. So like I literally they they're so I don't recognize any of their silhouettes. If you put them in a lineup, I wouldn't be able to tell. Mm. All I remember is there's a red girl and she's fiery hot with a temper who's a sundere. Typical. Of course, a redheaded sundere. And then there's a short haired, cool ice girl whose hair is blue. Of course. <laughs> of course. I'm like, here are all the stereotypes typical pickings of stereotypes anime. the anime yeah it's stereotypes the anime essentially and I, i'm just like i don't obviously there's a dragon but she also turns into a little girl a dragon lowly i'm like how very stereotypical of you is it bad that i'm looking through the season chart and i can't find this damn anime <laughs> not really. is it that far down it might be it's pretty bad i mean it's it's not bad but it's not good, which makes it even worse. Because <laughs> at least bad shows you can kind of get kicks out of when they're bad. Mm. But it's like, it's not an offensive show. Mm. And that's the worst part to me. It's it's because when things are so plain and not offensive, mm. that it's hard to remember them at all. And that's what it is yeah. with the show. And I'm like, I every week, I'm like, why am I watching this? I should just that's, drop this. That's something we've talked about before. It's like how... Um... It's almost a, more of a, a curse or worse for a show to be mid than it is to be bad. Like, if a show is really, really bad, you remember that shit because it oh, sticks yeah. with you. Like, like X-Arm. Like, like, I'm, I'm never yes. going to forget X-Arm. It was fucking god-awful. Like, you remember the ones and twos and threes out of ten because they're so god-awful. You don't remember the fours, fives, and sixes out of ten. No. It's so hard to remember this show. And literally catch me in a month and be like, hey, do you remember Classroom for Heroes? I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> like, what, what the is fuck that? is that? <laughs> like, I Did I that watch is. that? <laughs> yeah, and it's uh it's kind of just like I don't know why I keep watching every week. I I just it's just filler noise in the background. Like I, I let it play and I'm like, I don't even care. And the worst part is when I watch shows passively, because I do watch a lot of shows passively. That mm. if it's a show that I don't need to pay attention to the story or plot, I like to have it on in the background while I do stuff. Mm -hmm. This show is so bad that even when I have it on, because I, I practice my um like translation skills and stuff. Like, can I understand what they're saying without looking up subtitles? It's one thing I like to do. And I can't even be bothered to remember to listen in and try to translate because I'm like, I really don't care. 
<laughs> Speaking of that whole translation with anime thing, did you hear that uh, Duolingo has teamed up with Crunchyroll? No. And now you and now and now they're going to start offering like Japanese classes utilizing anime characters. Bro, that's a way to try to get people to learn Moon Rune. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's something they announced. I think last week. That's actually super that's cool. Funny. Yeah, like I can't. It's just such a boring show such a mid show that i can't even be bothered to try to translate it without looking at the screen so i'm just like it's just noise at this point <laughs> so I, I wonder why i even have it on in the background anyway i really should just drop it there's like two other shows i feel like i should really drop too but i there's one there's one anime i know you're watching how is isekai vending machine going john bro i love it i i unironically love isekai vending machine the anime it is everything <laughs> i had hoped for now i will say the uh manga is way prettierly drawn it, it looks more beautifulized than the anime does those are so like three made-up words you just did in a single sentence <laughs> <laughs> i'm still waking up i'm very tired beautifulized more prettier <laughs> exactly more prettier beautifulized well because when you so an example of this is um Oh my god, what is it? Leon and Angelica and Olivia. What is that freaking anime? The villainous one. Oh, a mob. Uh, the, a mob. Oh, the, um, uh, yeah. I know, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the title. Isekai Mob. Can you be yeah, a mob sure. in another world or whatever? Yeah. It's where he gets transferred into a video game, but he's a mob character instead of a main character. Mm. And then he like uses his knowledge of the game to exploit stuff, so he becomes like the main character. It's actually really good in a light novel. I really like it. But that one, the manga adaptation of the light novel looks amazing. It's so beautiful. Hmm. And the anime itself did not look nearly as good as the manga, which disappointed me. But I was like, okay, the, the manga's drawing style is very high quality. Hmm. Very pretty. And that's how I feel about Isekai Vending. Isekai Vending's novel um it looks like you know the novel novel artwork always looks freaking iffy because it's like you know you're, you're writing a novel and you're getting people to do it for a low price or for free basically because it's like you're you're no one right now so it's not going to be the greatest quality but when the manga got adapted i forget who the artist is but they did a phenomenal job because they just they're just like um just hella details in every in every panel like there, it looks means, really there are good. some there are some light novels that have really good art in them yeah some there are some um <clears throat> spice and wolf yeah the spice and wolf uh like um <laughs> overlord overlord yeah, overlords light novels oh are amazing i the love so art in that is just god's here yeah and for anime onlys for overlord the ed the art in the eds for all of overlord every single season that's the art from the um that's the art by Sobin, the artist for the light novel series. Honestly, like regardless of the actual quality of the Overlord light novels, which I personally enjoy, I think the light novels are worth buying specifically for the art in them. Yeah, support Sobin. His art is really good. Yeah. The fact that he can try to, he fakes water paint coloring, even though he does digital drawing, that's insane. That's a lot of skill. Yeah. It's harder to fake uh watercolors than it is to actually do watercolors i know <laughs> yeah i remember reading an interview by him about like why he chose that art style and he was like well 
he really likes the art style, but he had to make a choice between like physical media and digital media. And he was like, mm -hmm. digital media is just like the future, which is crazy. And then like <laughs> now I'm thinking about all the art classes I had to take in college for like my credits and like the history I learned behind like how physical art turned into digital art, like how they tried to like figure out how to do certain things on digital and people just like literally throwing hundreds and thousands of hours only for Adobe to just steal it all yeah. and make money off of it. And I'm just like, fucking Adobe. <laughs> oh, I've, uh, I've talked to, I've talked to artists before who have only ever drawn like digitally on tablets and on computers. And they say that when they actually have to go and sketch something out on paper, it's super weird for them. Yeah. Because on digital, you can, you can make as many layers as you want. You don't have to erase so you can always retrace what you're doing until you get a line that you really like. And Vix was talking about it. It's like I sketch something out. It's like I don't have to worry about drawing on the wrong layer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, for people that don't know, it was thousands of hours that people poured into digital media when it came out, like mm -hmm. Photoshop and stuff, of their own free time to try to recreate like grease pencils, um, spray paint and stuff like that. Like all the brushes that you use that was created by people for free yeah so it's pretty crazy that photoshop would take all these these man hours and then be like all right we're gonna package it up and now we have to you have to pay to use them it's like insane because it's like this was the people's work right it's you say you say that's for, insane but that sounds on par for adobe <laughs> it sounds on par for capitalism I mean, Sciosis. <laughs> Adobe's shitty business practices aside, though. <laughs> but um, there's another show that I really feel like dropping, and it's freaking Gohans. <laughs> Both of is... them? No. So we talked about Gohans last episode as well, where they have mm -hmm. the weird fucking CG and angles, and they still have it. Okay. It is weird they... that they have two anime premiering in the same season, though. I, I don't think that's too weird. There's... Well, well I guess for Gohans, Go it is. It is, because Gohans is in a big production studio like It's IG a very small production A1. studio. Yeah, comparatively to yeah. A1 or production IG. Yeah. However, oh my god, what is the fucking show's name? Uh, the Girl oh, I Like Forgot Her Glasses is one of them. Okay, there it is. The Girl I Like Forgot Her Glasses is mid as well. I... It's the same problem as Classroom for Heroes. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> Do you think this is a problem with the adaptation or a problem with the general story? Because the manga that it's based on seems to be very well regarded. I think it might be this. I haven't read the source material, but I'm pretty sure it's probably based on the fact that since I can't even remember the storyline, it's probably the, the manga. Like mm. it's just boring to me. I don't care too much about it. Um, now it's not as bad as Classroom for Heroes. Like if Classroom for Heroes is a solid four or a five, I'd probably mm -hmm. put it at a four right now, halfway through the season. I'd say the girl I like forgot my glasses is probably more of a six. So it's slightly better. Okay. It's not and the again, it's inoffensive, so I don't mind having it on in the background, mm -hmm. but I just can't pay attention to the story because it's like my issue with the show is the animation is fucking amazing. It looks pretty as hell. Okay. It is beautiful. The CG, when it does come on, 
it's just it's very jarring. And then they still do weird angles. I don't know why go hands. You need to explain to me why do you feel the need to make a fish eye lens camera at the bottom looking up like a creeper? Yeah, why? I know, right? I don't understand this from an artistic I've, point of view. I've seen these angles and it's like this is something a first year photography student would try to come up with. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, uh, <laughs> but the animation, uh, or rather I should say the uses of CG is not egregious enough to make me hate the show. Even though when it is on screen, it is bad. Really, really bad. I, there are, there are anime out there that have bad art and animation that ha still have great stories. Yeah. And it's to me, the worst part about the show is that the story is very it's very every every episode is the same hmm. right it's a will they won't they like there's a guy he likes a girl will he confess will she figure out that he likes him will they won't they literally every episode and it always ends on the same note and i'm like there is no development it's just literally episode will they won't they and i'm like that's the problem there's no um continuity is it very episodic where like you could literally just watch any single episode and be like, okay, I get the gist of it. It's not episodic because they do have stuff that happens. So they get closer. Like when, and kind of though, yes and no. Like if you took the first six episodes and you mixed up the order other mm -hmm. than episode, like one or two, I would say like three to six, if you mix them up in any order, it would mm -hmm. work because nothing really links into each other. Okay. Yeah, because it's like there is a continuity problem with like um there is continuity in it. It obviously, you know, progresses throughout the seasons. Like there was a Valentine's episode and then they did a White Day episode. So it's like it, it does link. But the problem is this that because there is no real progression in the relationship, and because you know, when you re when you're watching a rom com, you expect to see progression of relationships. Yeah, at there least a little bit every episode. Yeah. And it's like every episode, it's literally just the same deal of like, oh, she's so cute without her glasses today. And then it'll be just like, will they, won't they? Is she going to find out? Is he going to confess? Who knows? It's just like that every episode. And I'm just like, I, I don't see any hallmarks of progression. Like, I don't see anything that's going to make it so she realizes she does like him or he finally confesses. That's I, always, like, I find it so weird when people say, you look so much better without your glasses. And I'm like... Thanks, I can't see shit. <laughs> you didn't see it, but your eyes kind of just went like, <laughs> when you took off your glasses. I can't see shit. Like, I can literally just see this far in front of my face. <laughs> I would not be able to recognize you without your glasses. Speaking of which, so you know how the whole, like, um, Superman is Clark Kent, but he wears, like, glasses and a hat? Yeah. And it's just like, that's enough of a disguise. Yeah. I never thought that was like, I was like, hey, there's no way you could just wear glasses and a hat. And it's no very realistic. It is extremely realistic. <laughs> <laughs> it is extremely realistic. Because I remember um, there's people at work and stuff that like, when they don't wear a hat, mm -hmm. I'm just like, I don't know who you are. Who are you right now? <laughs> I see you every day and you don't have and today you don't have a hat. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. 
It's like when Shinoda uh, had the fucking wig and he looked like President Camacho. It's like I wouldn't recognize <laughs> I wouldn't recognize Shinoda if he actually had long hair. Yeah. But other than that, um, Gohan's the other show that Gohan's is making, The Masterful Cat is depressed again today. It's actually really good. <laughs> Minus really... the animation. Minus the really bad CG and the weird angles, because again, Gohan's is just weird with the angles. I don't, uh, I don't get it. I really don't. Mm. But I don't, I don't the show it itself either. is actually really good. It's it's actually funny. So it's like it's about a giant cat, and he basically acts like a housewife to the to his owner, and okay. she's basically like a, a useless adult who just works all day and then comes home drunk. So then he has to cook and clean and stuff. And that's it. That's the that's now, the show. <laughs> now I, I have not watched this show, but I can see like the the promotional art and stuff for it. And the cat is human sized. Yeah, it's and, a human sized cat. And this is not like a a lonely cat lady bestiality thing, is it, John? No, not even. <laughs> oh, slightly. thank God. No. He's more like a mother than anything to her. <laughs> oh, thank God. Yeah, let me tell you something. Dog and horse ladies, man. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Yeah, so it's it's a very funny show just because like the cat acts like a housewife, <laughs> and he's just like it, it, no wonder decided, he's depressed. They decided to get the most deep freaking voice to voice actor to play the cat, so he's just like he has a super deep rumbly voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I enjoy watching the show. I actually pay attention to it whenever I watch it. Like the story, I can tell you which episode does, what happens in each episode. So I'm Narrative looking up the dude who there. does the voice of the cat to see if he's voiced anyone else that we'd recognize. Uh, I don't see anything that stands out though. <laughs> I probably recognize a few. I know the guy's voice. I know him from a lot of video games. Hmm. But I think the uh, the show is very good. It's surprisingly good because I remember when we saw the Gohan stuff, <laughs> I said, the premises of these are good. However, what's, what's so funny? <laughs> I just found out he voices Germany and Italia. <laughs> I, I've never watched Italia. I don't know who Germany is. Oh, my goodness. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. So you understand his voice, though. Yeah, I, I get it now, yeah. Yeah. So, when we were talking about this in the preview, I was just like, I like the premise of this show, of the Gohan shows, both of them. Mm -hmm. But holy shit, where the trailers got awful, and I can't unsee the CG. Yeah. And then I watched the first episodes of both of them, and I was like, oh god, it's bad. Mm. Now, I will say, they have really calmed down on the CG in both of their shows. So we don't, it's not as egregious anymore. And they've really focused more on the 2D aspect instead right. of like showcasing their 3D. Go hands. I just want to give you a little like hint of how anime works. You're supposed to save your bad animation for the end and not <laughs> yeah. have it in the beginning. <laughs> no, bro. It's a big brain move because in the beginning they got rid of all the, the bad, you know, they, they put all their budget at the end of the show. Hey, maybe this is a new strat for anime production. I don't know. <laughs> Have all the bad animation up front so you get it out of the way. Yeah, the show is it's fine. Like there's there's not really a rom-com element in it. Um mm. there might be. I'm not entirely sure. They don't pr pursue most of that. Most of it is just like 
look at how useless my adult is. I have to take care of her like I'm her mother. And it's just like, ha, 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 ha. That's it. <laughs> That's literally it. Like he, The cat is so freaking handy. <laughs> There's an episode where she has to go to her, um, her boss's niece's birthday because they're friends now or something. And she's like, I need a costume. And he's like, hey. <laughs> he's like, you sewed this? He's like, it's like so does this have elements at least story-wise of way of the house husband kind of so he is like a house husband uh but he's not as jumpy as uh tatsia Mm. like he's not it's not speaking of like (laughs) speaking of a manga that deserved a better adaptation i love way of the house husband r.i.p the anime yeah Man. Give it to David Productions and just let them save the show. Yeah, for real though, I feel like that'd be a show that David Production could do really well. But I feel like yeah. if if that's kind of the vibe that this gives off, I might actually enjoy it. I think it's a good show. I think people should watch the show once you get all past the god awful CG and the weird <laughs> fucking go hands angle. Okay, but uh. I realized after last monthly uh, dump when I talked about the shows, if you just watch the openings for these shows, for the Gohan shows, mm-hmm. you'll get the gist of like the animation on art style and the direction that they go in. Because they do every single thing that I talk about that they do weird, like the angles and the bad CG, mm-hmm. they are in the opening sequences. Mm-hmm. So you can see all the good and the bad of their at least animation style and production style in the opening sequences so there's that and i kind of appreciate that actually <laughs> gives you kind of like you know i don't have to watch an actual 20 episode 20 minute episode i just watch a like 90 second clip of the opening and like okay i get what it's gonna look like now another interesting strat for anime development just put the best and the worst you have to offer in the op i i mean because you know how like there are some shows that just like go all out on the op or the ed david production yeah and you're just like yo what the fuck (laughs) your opening has more quality in it than your entire fucking series (laughs) it's like it's crazy it's like you blew did you blow all your budget on the opening what the hell (laughs) then there's also shows that um don't use any budget on their opening or ending and they're just like it looks really bad but then the show is actually really good so then you're like oh what the fuck and then there's shows like ReZero, which has like the OP play three times through the whole runtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a weird. I mean, Mushoku Tensei is doing that right now, where it's like there really isn't an opening and there sometimes isn't the first an ending. season too. Yeah. Where it's like because there's so much story, and I appreciate it. You, you feel like 90 seconds isn't a lot of time, but using the 90 seconds to integrate like the story with the song just playing softly in yeah. the background or the or the outro pay, playing as it goes out on the episode. Yeah. That's like, what was that? That's three minutes, right? The opening and the ending. Yeah, it's an extra three minutes of story that you could cobble each. something together. And it's it's working really well with Michoko Tensei. I'm actually very appreciative I, of that. I, I haven't started the second season yet. In fact, I'm going to binge the first half of the second season once the season is over, uh, because we are doing a spoiler cast for the first half of the second season. Um, but... I really appreciated how they integrated um, both the OP and the ED occasionally um, with the actual action of that particular episode. Yeah, that was actually a really, really nice good. Touch. Now, I will say though, I feel like that 
this that style that Michelle Tensei is going for, where they integrate the OP and the ED into the actual story, mm. kind of only works with shows that have a um a lot of narrative. Yes, and it would be obviously you wouldn't be able to do this in like freaking um fucking classroom for heroes like it wouldn't or, make sense. or just your basic seasonal rom-com yeah like you couldn't do it it'd be very specific moments you could do it and there are shows that do it in certain like near the end episodes where they'll do that because it's like oh there's drama so there's that or like how uh there's a lot of anime that will integrate their op into like the final episode near the end yeah but yeah i those are like my hated of the season now, I will say, Atelier Riza. <laughs> Here we go. I need to talk about Atelier Riza. Riza the anime is. I, I don't know if it's good or bad because every episode, I find myself only concerned about how long it takes for the fucking show to get to the first establishing thigh shot. All right. Because we all know why we're here watching this goddamn show. It ain't right? for the story, for the main character. No, it's for the plot, okay? And there's plenty of plot on Ryza, mm. all right? And <laughs> I actually count. I'll pause, and I, every, in our Discord, I will tell you in every episode that I'm watching how long it takes to get the very first establishing thigh shot. He's, he's not lying. He does this every single fucking week. And then I will count how many thigh shots we get in the episode, so that way I can have an <laughs> I can get a five shot per minute counter for each episode. <laughs> Do I have I, too much time? Maybe I don't. John, know. <laughs> at this point, you need to make like a compilation of all the thigh shots Bro, in the I, show and just upload I it to our YouTube channel. Excel, I'm gonna make an Excel. I'm gonna bring it. All right, at the end of the season, I'm gonna bring my Excel spreadsheet and I'm gonna show you guys I wasn't fucking playing. <laughs> <laughs> but Man, we yo. should legit just have. Uh, actual compilation video on our YouTube channel of all the thigh shots from this anime. I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are men doing God's work out there already. Where oh, I'm that. sure. But yeah, for a show that sells itself on sex and horny, it's not very sexy or horny. <laughs> it, it, it is not being super in your face with all the th random thigh shots like th there are obviously establishing thigh shots that you'll just see where it's like did they have to zoom in on her thighs absolutely not it had nothing to do with the scene but they are did you happy anyway. they did though yes of course i'm happy they did because you know jangling <laughs> keys like hey look here's this thing that you came here for i'm like Mm. <laughs> he'd be very happy yeah like oh boy <laughs> she thick damn Fucking love rice. Oh my god. Uh, but I say her her design is is just an aesthetic. It's yeah. And there's a little bit for everyone in the show. But the show itself is really boring. Like I know Chinoda is he's hating on the show right now. He's like, there's no substance to it at all. I'm like, there's plenty of substance. It's just, just on not her chest. You're just not looking in the right place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, bro, you they didn't make this show to be good or have a 
riveting story. They made this show to sell figures in the video game. Okay. Let's be <laughs> I, fucking I, honest. I can't remember. It was someone in our Discord server that said this. I think it may have been soon that said we were talking about it and he said it's based on a JRPG. Did you expect a story? <laughs> There's some JRPGs really good stories. Dragon's Dogma being one of them. There's there's two. There's two I can name. Dragon's Dogma and Final Fantasy. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Those are the only no, two JRPGs I mean, with actual stories. No. Freaking um Golden Sun has a really good story. That's a JRPG. Um I was about to say Chronicles of Riddick. I don't know why was, that was popular. Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> the Chronicles of Riddick has a really good JRPG element. But Man. No. Uh, Chrono Trigger. Tr- Chrono Trigger has a really mm. good story element to it, too. Yeah. I'll give you that. My, yeah. Those That's... are like my favorite games, though. Favorite JRPGs. You've doubled it to four, John. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think about. All right. That's just off the top of my head of my favorite JRPGs. That's why I know those are good stories. Hmm. It's so funny how JRPG used to be a like a insult synonymous <laughs> in with space. long and boring. Yes, and yes, it very much used to be like in the in the gaming space, especially in games journalism. the The phrase JRPG used to just mean long, tedious, and boring. It still, kind of does. But yeah, with uh, Atelier Ryza being what it is, uh, the story is really boring. I, I, I do understand where Chino is coming from because every time I watch an episode, I don't care about the story. Just you like just care I care about the main feel... character's thighs. Yeah. No, just like with Classroom for Heroes and the girl I like forgot her glasses, I don't remember a single damn thing about the show. Like what they're doing, where they're at, if they've actually done anything. The only thing I care about is looking at like I'll be watching, like I'll be doing something and then I'll like glance and then I'm like when I see thighs I go. <laughs> <laughs> like ooga, 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 ooga. <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is, this See, literally the, the, the character designer knew what he was doing though he knew what he was doing he did it real fucking well i'll tell you that much man yeah i mean i have to f- feel like there's because this the, the the atelier series is before the rise of trilogy came out was a failing video game series this dude comes in designs a main character that's thicker than a snicker and just like this the sales go through the fucking roof <laughs> thicker than a snicker have you never heard that term before no <laughs> oh shit but yeah i i guarantee you like rise may not be the most successful anime in terms of views but I guarantee you Atelier Rises is going to be the most financially successful show. It's a great study in, as to how character design can save your franchise. It can. And it did. There's proof. Proof is in the pudding, bro. There's that $100,000 fucking life-size Rises statue that someone bought. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm jealous. I wish I how had How crusty that. do you think that thing is now? <laughs> you know <that>. <laughs> 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 Because you know that the person who bought it is going to the Bro. first thing. The first thing. <laughs> Birds on a statue. That's all I can think about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, since Ryza is based on a JRPG, can we talk about video games to round out this monthly dump? Yeah. Because I, I have allowed the beast known as Skyrim to take over my life again. 
you know, I made this comment to one of my coworkers because we were talking about um, he's excited for I was going to call it Outer Worlds. I'm like, no, 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 that's not theirs. <laughs> Starfield. Yes. We were talking about Starfield and how I, I was telling him like, oh, I'm not pretty excited for that because I think it's an insult that mm -hmm. um, Obsidian went and made Outer Worlds. And then Bethesda was like, well, fuck you. We can do that, too. And basically just stole the idea. But they're going to Bethesda, Bethesda it. And I'm like, I don't like that idea. Yeah, I, hate, I mean, I hate the I origins mean... of it. But what we're talking about, because we're talking about Bethesda games. And I was like, yeah, Bethesda hasn't really made a really good game since Skyrim. Because Skyrim has been their number one selling game for the last, like, ten years. <laughs> Yeah, and people like, keep buying it every time they come out with a new version because it's so good. <laughs> I don't. I think a big part of the reason it's what it's twelve years old now. The game. Um, by the way, more time has passed now since Skyrim has come out than has passed between the release of the first Elder Scrolls game and Oblivion, the fourth Elder Scrolls game. Yeah, I think that might be because um, the Elder Scrolls Online was just a bad foray into like trying to monetize the Elder Scrolls series. Because yeah. if anyone's noticed anything about the Elder Scrolls series so far, like with Skyrim, is that mm. Bethesda went for the fucking throat when trying to monetize it. Like with the whole paid, like if you want uh, mods and stuff, you mm -hmm. have to pay for them now instead of like using illegal mods. Yeah. Um, like they I took do... people's free work and basically said, Look, if you want to use mods, we have to sell them, and you're only going to get pennies on the dollar. Hmm. I'd like, I do glad you're it's... getting pennies on the dollar at all because you were giving it out for free. I'm just like, yeah. damn, but does the calm down? I, I do think that elder scrolls online could have been good i think it was botched out by how how it was handled by bethesda not just with the whole monetization thing the entire story is a lore black hole yeah in uh elder scrolls online because none of it actually fucking matters um <laughs> which is a huge problem when you're talking about a story rich rpg universe yeah who cares about continuity in my mmorpg bro like who cares um <laughs> uh, you'll get easter eggs from the actual freaking series and you'll be glad that we gave you those dlc packs but 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 john we got skooma cat <laughs> oh skooma cat um <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but no, I've been playing Skyrim again, and I downloaded a shit ton more mods because, of course, I did. It's Skyrim. I will say that's one thing I'm very happy about with Skyrim that even after all these years, it still has a very vibrant modding community. Um, yeah. and um, I actually recently did a um, well, I'm currently doing a run with a Dunmer character where I did the um, it's an alternate start mod called like Start a New Life or something like that. I can't remember what it's called. But um, I, I, there's something about Skyrim that every year, at least once a year, it draws me back into it for at least a month, month and a half. I don't know why, but there's <laughs> something about this game. It's very satisfying to play, even though I played it a million fucking times. <laughs> it's that, I'm just thinking I of guess like the Skyrim the mod now, where the only thing you do is farm and mine. Like that's all you do every day. You're just a normal villager. <laughs> and that's honestly, the game. honestly, if there was a better economy for that in the game, I wouldn't even be mad about that. 
Hold on. No, I'm just making the game idea right now where it's like it's so it's such a mundane game and I want to make it because it's funny. Uh, hey, I'm doing right now. I'm in the middle of doing the whole fishing thing that was added with the anniversary update. <laughs> I'm just going around fishing and it's fun. Well, I'm thinking like, what if there was first person um, Stardew Valley or something, you know? Mm, yeah. Like all you do every day is like you can choose them. You just want to make money. That's it. I will say playing Skyrim again has made me realize like as much as I do like it and it is one of my favorite games ever. I am kind of getting tired of the setting of Skyrim because it doesn't change. Even with all the mods, the setting doesn't really change. Yeah, uh, like you can freaking beeline the main story in like what? 12 hours? 16 who the hours? Fuck plays the main story. Alduin can eat the world. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, but you can mainline the, the actual quest line of the game like there is a mod you can add that actually forces you to do the main quest within a certain amount of time or alduin will destroy the world and, and it'll erase your save game oh that's pretty cool uh it actually adds a sense of urgency to the main quest which i think is something that was desperately missing in the vanilla version of skyrim um i feel like a lot was missing from the vanilla version of yeah <laughs> I, I, honestly the main quest is the most boring part of vanilla skyrim like yeah. i really wish the entire story had just been based around the civil war it feels like it would so much culminate it yeah the, the side stories in skyrim are the most interesting thing going around and exploring all the random ass caves and dungeons and every everything like in yeah. skyrim is the most interesting thing about skyrim the main yeah. story sucks uh, but the Civil War stuff is really interesting. I think the Thieves Guild quest line is actually really good. Not as good as the one in Oblivion, but still. Um, but it, it, the College of Winterhold can go fuck off. I don't give a shit about that. Um, yeah, that one kind of sucked. I really like the Dark Brotherhood storyline, though. Yeah, I like the fact that you can either do it, or if you actually attack Astrid in the in the hut, you can start an alternate quest called Destroy the Dark Brotherhood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, See, if you're playing like a, a good character, you're not playing like a you know a, an evil character. It gives you the option to do that, and that's actually really cool. But I will say, I, I'm I'm really hoping that we get Elder Scrolls Six sometime in the next decade. That would be nice. All right, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I kind of like the fact that um, Miranda's beacon spawns in random chests. You like, mean Meridia's beacon? Miranda's. M Miranda. Miranda's the Miranda's. character in Mass Effect with the giant ass. Oh shit! Yeah, but uh, another hand touches, touches the beacon. The be Hold on. <clears throat> another hand touches the beacon. <laughs> I love the fact that it could. It's just a thing that can spawn in a random chest anywhere. <laughs> i love that i love that it's so because you never know where it's gonna be it's so annoying <laughs> do you know i recently discovered that you know in vanilla skyrim you're not allowed to drop quest items once you pick them up like you have to do the quest and then yeah. you can get rid of the quest item if you get to keep it um if you actually in uh utilize console commands to allow you to drop meridia's beacon after you pick it up there are recorded dialogue lines of her getting pissed at you for throwing away her beacon <laughs> yeah because she, she chose you but yeah, that persistent type of quest where it's just like i'm just here to annoy you to death i mm. kind of like because from a from a gamer standpoint 
I hated it, but as a game developer, Man. I'm like, this is so clever, but also then you would, amazing. You would unironically like the main quest in Daggerfall because, like, there's a there's a, a hidden timer for the main quest, and if you start taking more time than the game thinks you should take for the main quest, you start getting like couriers from the Emperor coming after. He's like, "Why aren't you doing this? You were asked to do this." <laughs> and then eventually, that. I think if you let a hundred days pass in the game and you don't do the main quest, they actually start sending assassins to come after you and kill you. Yeah, I like stuff like that. It's <laughs> it's all it's these tiny details of stuff. Because like with Miranda's beacon and Miranda herself, the goddess, like she's I like how you annoying. just keep calling her Miranda. I'm gonna keep calling her Miranda. <laughs> like that's, that's what I've always called her. <laughs> it's Miranda's beacon. <laughs> Not Meridia, it's Miranda. But yeah, like because it's so it's in character for uh Meridia like to to be like this with her beacon. Hmm. It was like to be overly annoying and like you will do it because <laughs> it is right and just. I'm like, yep. And that's why I don't worship you as, as my deity. Um, I will say the the sword you get from that quest, Dawnbreaker, is my the best looking sword in the game. Oh yeah, it's a really cool sword. Um, but yeah, I, I'm 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 really hoping that we can get Elder Scrolls Six sometime soon. I'm hoping that it's in Hammerfell because that's a place I really want to go next. Um, and I, I don't know. I man. have. I, I feel like Bethesda's been chasing the dollars, man. I don't think. I don't think they have te uh, Elder Scrolls Six on their mind because of chasing the dollars. I mean, okay, consider the source when I say this, but according to Todd Howard, in an interview he did earlier this year, they are in pre-production on Elder Scrolls Six, and the tutorial, like, beginning area is done and in a completed playable state. So, pre-production is the stage where they're still figuring out what they want to do. Yeah, and the problem is that pre-production can last forever. Yeah, like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, allegedly it's been in pre-production since like 2017. Yeah, that's my point. Pre-production, because pre-production, it it it's gonna be how pre-production works is it's gonna be the senior um developers, right? Yeah. Like two or three of the senior developers. Then it's gonna be the storyboard people, the artists, and stuff like that. And they're all in a room, and pre-production is just us writing on a whiteboard, like what we think it's going to be what can we add what do we want here are popular games are there new mechanics we want to try out and basically you know like the story uh directors and stuff like that and the game directors will be like is this feasible can we do it on like how's our engine what are we going to do it on and that's what's like throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks yeah because it's like all right so the developers obviously know what we can do and what we can't do and mm. if we're on a new engine and stuff like that updating for stuff it's just boring stuff and pre-production lasts can last forever or it could last not enough because uh like uh <laughs> freaking cyberpunk 2077 um 2077 2076 2077 it's, <laughs> it's not it's not fallout 76 okay yeah i was like there's something 76 but cyberpunk for example had barely any pre-production because they changed so did so fallout 76 <laughs> yeah so and, and you can tell when a game doesn't have a long enough pre-production because it's going to fall apart at the seams. You can also tell when a game has been in pre-production hell because it changes stories so much and so often that they can't decide what they fucking want in their video game. That's what happened so. with Duke Nukem Forever. It was in pre-production for so long, the game didn't know what it wanted to be. Yeah, and that's just what happens because there's a certain sweet spot where it's like you have a good enough amount of ideas that you need to start trying it right now. 
Mm -hmm. and seeing what you like, what you don't like, and then carving it up from there. But it's always hard to tell when to pull the trigger on that because it's like, you know, when you're in a meeting, you don't want to spend too much time in it because it's like time is money. Like, so how a video game production company works is uh, we give a pitch for a game and the company goes, sounds great. How much money am I going to make off of it? How much are you projecting? And then you give that pitch and eventually they'll decide on, okay, we're going to give you X amount of money make it an X amount of time. And then you start pre-production. So the longer you stay in pre-production, the more fucking time and money you're burning. Now it wouldn't be the more money because you wouldn't have, um, actually it would be because all the, if your team is still the same, they're working on other projects and it's like having to stagger the, the schedule for like all the people who work at a game company is fucking terrible and insane. So pre-production is just like the top elites, the ones who make the most money and they're wasting time time that we could be using to develop your game for you because there's a shit ton of stuff to do mm -hmm. like to actually build the game so that needs to get started as soon as possible but At least if you don't building basic assets well i mean you can reuse assets but the point is pre-production exists because we need a guiding point of like this is our main goal and this is what we want in it and here are things we want to try and we, we need to see if it works or not because then we're going to come back to drawing board if it doesn't but if you don't spend enough time in there, then it's going to all fall apart because it's like no one knows what the fuck they're doing. Um, Anthem's like that, where it's like the pre-production for that was not long enough because Bioware was just like, or EA told Bioware, hey, look, we need you to make this looter shooter. It's very popular these days. Just make it. And Bioware was like, yeah, sure. Why not? We, we can do that. We're making like three other games right now that all of our you know, assets are, are tied up in, but that's fine. We'll make it. And mm. it, you know, it launched un literally unfinished. There was not finished voice lines and stuff. It was fucking a nightmare because they're like, we need to launch it now. We need to launch it now. And it's just like, it, 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 it sucks. It fucking sucks. It's like, so, uh, I, and I feel like that's different with every single studio too. It kind of depends on the, how the studios are run too, probably. Right. Uh, most studios are kind of run the same where it's like, you know, let's say you have a triple A studio. You've got, 200 people working under you mm -hmm. 60 percent of your people are artists um that's just they they make your assets they they're gonna be the ones who model stuff they're gonna be the ones who draw stuff you know all that stuff right they're gonna populate mm -hmm. it and map terrain shit like that they can't start until you decide what kind of fucking game you want to make and then you need to know what areas you need for them to make so Quite literally, when you're sitting in pre-production, 60% of your crew is just being paid to do nothing, <laughs> which is why they don't want to sit in pre-production for too long. But like I said, you don't have enough direction. They're going to make assets and it's gonna be, you're going to be wasting time because now mm -hmm. it's going to be like, all right, we can't use these assets. We gotta, we're going to scrap them. We're going to use them for something else. Like Then it's like, fuck, no, no, this three months of work that I just did that you just paid me for is gone down the drain. We got to redo it. And this is why crunch culture is such a big thing in the video game industry because shit like that. It, it's just, it is a nightmare to plan a game. I can say that with confidence. Um, whoever just ask, just ask obsidian. Yeah. You have, you have 14 months to make us a new fallout game. Go. <laughs> and they did amazing. Yeah. It's like that with halo. You have a year to make halo do it. <laughs> and it, it so, it's, oh, it's by the way, th by the way, three months from now, we're going to be switching platforms. Good luck. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> it's very it's been very interesting going into game development. I can say the, that like uh going from a gamer to a game developer has been quite eye-opening. I, I appreciate video games a lot more. And I, I, it makes me love video games even more though, because it's like the amount of depth that people put into them, like the amount of work and stuff and the depth that is involved. It's amazing. It's amazing how uh, the production of this even went at all. Like not even just smoothly, but just went because it is a nightmare having to plan everything because it's like, you know, I used to think, you know, I don't really need a project manager on something like video game production, you need a fucking project manager. Holy yeah, I, I want to say this not it's not even in it's not even in game development. You need a project manager in any kind of industry where there are projects with multiple people involved. Mol and especially if there's multiple departments involved. Yes. Like it makes We have a project like manager where we work and he is fantastic at what he does. Now I can understand that sometimes you'll have um workers that they're self-sufficient, so they don't need a project manager because they can actually communicate, but that's rare. You got to understand, project managers are there for the people who can't do that because mm -hmm. if you've ever met uh, programmers, they definitely don't have a lot of people's skills. <laughs> no. No, uh, they're the serial killers. I mean, what? Not all of them. They're just the weird <laughs> fucking weebs that, like... They're the ones buying the Ryza dolls, really. Yeah, they're <laughs> the ones buying the life-size Ryza <laughs> statues that are going to come on. Oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah, I'm glad you're playing. You're getting back into Sky. I feel like I want to get back into Skyrim, but at the same time, I'm like, I've done literally every single quest in Skyrim, and I remember. That's why it you download quest mods. Yeah, I don't. I never cared for modded Skyrim, to be honest. I, I downloaded a quest mod. It's actually one of the oldest quest mods in Skyrim, but it's also one of the best. It's called the Forgotten City, um, which the dude who created that was actually a lawyer, and he created mm -hmm. this mod, and it did so well. He's like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to be quit being a lawyer and make video games now. <laughs> and so he turned that entire like concept for that mod into an actual like independent game, and it was really, really good. I do remember this story. Because, yeah, I mean, believe it or not, learning how to mod is actually one of the ways to get into video game production because mm. you're doing the same stuff when you're modding things. You got to just doing it for a game, game that's skills. already done. Yeah, because you're you're just adding stuff onto it. But modding is like the same amount of coding and stuff like that. Same modeling, everything involved. So someone once told me that being a modder is just like being a DLC creator. No, it it's not just like it. It is that. <laughs> Because you need the same skill sets, like in a yeah. game production. You just have the benefit of you have a finished product, so it's better. It's easier to make a DLC for something because you, you have know, already a finished product. And do you know what it is almost every year that it gets me to play Skyrim again is like I'll play it and then, you know, I'll have I'll be satiated by it. Like I'll, I'll either finish a run or, you know, play it for two months and get tired of it again. Um, but then like. 9, 10, 11 months, 12 months will go by and it never fails. Like almost every year, at least once, YouTube will start recommending me videos about <laughs> Skyrim shit. And I'm like, God damn it. I'm going back in, boys. See, my problem with Skyrim is that every time I go back to play it, I'm like, all right, I'm definitely not going to play a stealth archer Khajiit. And I end up playing a self archer Khajiit because I'm like, it's the best class. There's there's no way you can go wrong with being a self archer Khajiit. It's the best, actually. <laughs> and that's my problem. I can never not play a self archer Khajiit. 
Um, I'm playing a Dunmer in this current playthrough, and I'm, like, I'm playing like the most evil kind of character I can think of. I'm just randomly killing people, and it's fun. It's really fun. <laughs> I'm Skyrim serial killer. <laughs> I've never... <laughs> That's not true. I did burn down that very... What's that? The very first village you go to after you escape the town. Um, uh, Riverwood. Riverwood, yeah, I, I burned down Riverwood because they got mad. I attacked a chicken, so I was like, "All right, well, I'm just gonna." Uh, you you all die room. now. <laughs> yeah, like quick save, kill everyone. <laughs> um, there's also a mod uh, I found out recently called uh, Helgen Reborn, where the like starting area that you, uh, the, where you get attacked at by the dragon of Alduin the first time, um, mm -hmm. you can actually go back to it and be like, you can rebuild the town. Oh. That's something that, that should have been a mechanic in the original game, for fuck's sake. That just makes me think of uh, Fallout 4 and press this settlement. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, another settlement needs our help. I'll mark it on yeah. your map. Oh, that's exactly what I think of. They they played I, Fallout 4 and it's like, we should put this in Skyrim. Yeah, I will never not giggle at that uh, YouTube short where it's a dude interviewing a guy dressed as a ghoul. And he's, he's like, so what do you plan to do about the jet problem in our community? And a guy cosplaying Preston Garvey comes up and he goes, hey, what about the settlement problem in our community? Another settlement needs your help. I'll mark it on your map. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I will never, never not giggle at that short. Oh, uh, that's the, like, hey, the reasons I like cons are like interactions like that. I, that's why I love going to conventions. But hey, uh, Speaking of games and game development, can we talk, to wrap this up, can we talk about Baldur's Gate 3? Oh my god, dude. I have been playing Baldur's Gate 3 <laughs> as humanly much as possible, given my <laughs> schedule. Like, I... Alright. Don't tell Natai or Chinoda this. Hmm. But I have stopped reading manga. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Our Zaros, you're, you've I lost know, the title, dude. sir. I... Because I had to crunch and like finish doing my sculpting stuff last quarter for school for video game stuff, I um I stopped reading manga and I just haven't gone back. Like I, I will go occasionally and look up something like Oshinoko, for example, and I'll catch up every now mm -hmm. and then. I'll choose shows Do or... you mean incest root the manga? <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk about that. I would choose certain uh, mangas that I'm like, I remember by like, oh yeah, I love reading this. So let's see if they're updated. Now, then I'll like read the two or three chapters until I'm caught up. And then I'll just, you know, quit out. Then you and go, I, wait, I just, hey, wait a minute. What about Berserk? And you're like, oh God. <sighs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Gotta love that soundtrack. Why? <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I, I just, don't want to spend three or four hours every day catching up on my daily manga anymore. <laughs> like I would rather use that time to play video games or watch anime or I'm, I'm still the Sarah source material. I am reading novels still. I'm reading a Chinese one right now. Mm. So I, I still am reading uh, books. So I can still kind of retain my title for that, but okay. I just, I just stopped reading manga altogether. Like I, I just, I, I just, I, I don't know, dude. And hey, when you become like just an say... actual, like when you become like an actual video game developer, like with a company and all that shit, can we start calling you the czar of source code? <laughs> sure. 
if I'm still on the podcast, dude, I don't know. I might be too busy. <laughs> oh, that'd actually be funny. Yeah. I'll change my name to the Sorrow Source Code. <laughs> Show me your code. <laughs> but yeah, I can just say it's like a huge relief off my shoulders to not have this daily task of having to read a manga. <laughs> <laughs> It felt I like a job, didn't it? It was a job, man. Every fucking day, I'm like, all right, what's updated? How many chapters am I reading today? How many series are updated? Be Some days it'd be light and be only like 15. Most days it was like 30 chapters of stuff, of 30 different things I'm reading. Sometimes I'd miss it by like a day or two, so that I have to catch up on like 100 chapters. And I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But I mean, that's because I was, I was, because I'm not anymore. I had, uh, I think I counted up to 700 at the time when I was talking to Jason. I thought it was originally like, I was like, I, I gave him a ballpark. I was like about 500. And then I actually sat down and I counted everything that I read. And I was like, okay, there's like 700 concurrent series right now that God. I'm waiting for updates for. Which Holy is why shit. every day I get like a chapter. <laughs> But damn, I want to talk about Baldur's Gate. Go ahead. Go ahead. I have played it quite a lot. I'm 30 hours in. And I believe I got Baldur's Gate. I think it was a day or two after release. Now, I've never played every any other Baldur's Gate. I've never played Baldur's Gate 1 or 2. All I knew about Baldur's Gate was that it's D&D. And I'm like, I want to play D&D. I, I miss playing D&D. But we haven't played D&D because it's so hard to get groups together, which is like, you know, the on curse a consistent of D &D, basis, the curse of D&D, &D, even with the advent of technology, it is still hard to get people to get together to play fucking D&D. &D. Yeah. So. But I have actually played quite a lot of Baldur's Gate. Um, not not as much as I'd want. Like, I, I just because I'm focusing on everything else. I got my last class. I'm graduating this quarter, so I'm trying to make sure I'm, I'm good and not just playing Baldur's Gate. Because <laughs> normally I'd play like 40 hours of video game a week, I'd say about. Like, mm. it'd be six hours on average. It's more like there'd be days I'd work, like I'd play like 10 hours and days I'd work playing like four hours and stuff like that, but that's a lot, right? Uh, I'm only playing like 20 hours. So I'm, I'm, I'm limiting it. Like I said, I'm, I'm using my manga time only. that I used to have. <laughs> Only playing two to four hours at max, which is a good thing. I'm limiting myself. You also got to factor in some <laughs> sleep occasionally. <laughs> Who needs sleep? I need Baldur's Gate. Sleep is for the weak. This bear isn't going to fuck itself. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm really enjoying it. Oh, man. I'd like you and a lot of other people. Because I... I'm not that into d and I'm not that in-depth into it. I don't know all the mechanics and stuff. But I like the idea of D&D &D of like, I pick a character and I get to roleplay as this character. Hmm. And the combat system of D&D &D is, I, I like the turn-based combat system with the initiative and stuff like that. And like, it's fun, dude. It's so fun. And the characters are written so well. They're fun as fuck. I love following their storylines and I just love doing stuff. I will say though, uh, one thing that a lot of people don't understand about D&D &D is that you don't fight constantly without healing. So one thing you have to do in D&D &D, uh, for Baldur's Gate, especially for you, Alex, when you start playing, hmm. you have to short rest and long rest between battles. So 
There are some battles you buy can... a copious amount of healing potions. <laughs> There's not that many healing potions you can like make or buy in the game. But my advice is that you got to get familiar with it's not like a regular RPG where you go fight after fight after fight and then boss battle. You have to go fight. What are your resources at? Are you good enough to maybe do another fight? And then choose, do you fight or are you? Are you telling me that it's not like Skyrim where my health points just automatically regenerate? <laughs> no, your health points do not automatically <laughs> regen. So that is something that I do know um, people who don't play D&D and like has never played any Baldur's Gate, they have to get used to. Because that's how I, I wasn't used to it. Because in the beginning, I was just like, I'm getting bodied left and right. And I'm only on like third battle. And it's like, have you rested at all between the battles? I'm like, no. And it's like, you're fucking dumb. That's how you restore all your slots, spell slots, so you can keep going. I'm like, mm. oh, I have to do this after every fight. <laughs> I have to retake my stock and decide whether or not I need to like calm down. Like you can't just run through the game and just kill, fight, fight, fight. That's That's one thing that I give advice to to people who haven't played Baldur's Gate hmm. as a newbie myself. Hmm. But it's super fun. It is so fun. It's yeah, I, 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 a lot like you, I, I never played the first two games in this series. I, you know, I come in with no preconceived notions whatsoever about what the game is like. Um, the only thing I really do know about it is it is based on a D&D rule set. Um, it's obviously, you know, like fantasy setting. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. That's all I know. Um, uh, and based on what everyone is telling me, like it's it's a fun ride, even for people who aren't super into like D and D stuff. It's a great way to get acclimated to it. That's what I've been told, at least. Yeah, because it's uh, it follows five E rules, and quite honestly, the companions that you recruit in the game are very fucking powerful <laughs> compared to mm. your character. They, because they're they're kind of min maxed to be like a specific type of character to help you play through. So that's something that I found very helpful. Like uh, the rogue Asterian, he's the half elf or high high elf, whatever. I think he, he might be a full elf. I don't remember. But uh, Asterian, the rogue, he has a lot of proficiencies for um, dexterity and like lock picking and stuff like that because of his feats. Mm -hmm. So giving using guidance on him, I have like plus I think eleven to. 16 to my dice rolls so it's like what's that you need a, a dice check of 20 no problem bro i have a minimum plus 11 <laughs> so that's something that you can um that's super fun just like because it's min maxed and i don't have to i didn't have to build it myself it built itself yeah i was i was talking with Ida about because he's been enjoying the hell out of this game too um i think he's like 35 ish hours in at this point more or less um, and he suggested maybe us doing it as part of a stream because I think you can have up to a four-player co-op party. Yeah. yeah, it's up to uh, four players. So I think at some point in the next month or two, probably after I move at the end of September, we might do that on on stream. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, I'm just you know obviously I'm I'm someone who's looking in from the outside and I haven't played the game myself yet, but from everything I've seen, everything I've heard. This the development of this game is seen as an exception to how game development is when it really should be the rule. Like this game was released finished, it has no microtransactions. Like this should be the fucking rule. 
Now, I feel like a part of that is because you can mainline the story in like 30 hours. Hmm. Like that, that that's like I think that's the average. Like you can just run through the game and beat it in 30 but hours. But most people don't. Most people don't know like 30 hours in and I'm still in act one. So, <laughs> and I assume, I assume based on how many hours people are playing and not even being remotely done, there's got to be a lot of side quests in this game. Oh, it's just fun to explore. Like it's D and D. You can't humanly possibly explore everything in D and D because your DM is a human, but you know, this is a scripted game with <laughs> like, scripted. There events. are limits. DMs yeah. have limits. Computers yeah, don't. And, it's it's like if you wanted to beat the game real fast, you could, but that's not the point. It's supposed to be like explore around because um, the game is buggy as hell. I, I will say that. Yeah, but and and Ida said that, too. It's like the, there are bugs, but most of the bugs aren't game breaking. Kind of. <laughs> there are some times when I can't trade stuff because the fucking window freezes and like I'm trying to split items to do like stuff and it's like not splitting and I have to like reload. It's all right. Just things as, that... as bad as that sounds, it's got to be better than a Bethesda launch title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's but, it can't be as bad as Fallout seventy six. I will say though, I don't think Baldur's Gate three is as horny as people are making it out to be, because I have been trying to bang this half elf for thirty <laughs> hours, damn it, and I have not been able to bang her. That's something else I wanted to talk about because a lot of streamers were playing this like on launch day, and you know when you when you think about like computer RPGs and when you're like doing character creation, you know if there's ever a option to remove clothing, there's usually underwear underneath, and right. people were just wantonly uncl you know clicking that remove clothing button and boom, full on nudity. <laughs> yeah, like I, I posted that I, that happened to me when I first started the game, and I posted it in our gaming channel in the Discord. Where I'm like, <laughs> I didn't expect to see um get a was it what what the fuck did I say? I don't remember. <laughs> I didn't expect to get a face full of ha halfling cock, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I didn't expect to get a face full of uncut halfling cock today, but here I am. <laughs> Because I was like, I was looking at it, I was like, you can do penis or vagina. It's like penis A, B, C, D. And I'm just like, what? You can choose your penis sizes? And I'm like, that's kind of weird, right? So I thought, when I saw the hide clothes option, I was like, oh, maybe it just changes your bulge size or something, right? Hmm. Or like, you can kind of see uh, your pubes or something. Just like, nope, halfling dick. I'm like, oh! <laughs> nice! <laughs> nice! <laughs> I did not expect this. It, yeah, so cyberpunk 2077 did the exact same thing during character creation i'm wondering is this like the new standard of rpg character creation just cock and balls right in your face i feel like it's mainly because you know dnd is like haha seduce the dragon as a bard fuck the dragon like that's it's always been a joke right mm -hmm. i feel like it's more in line with dnd than any other series like a type of game now, I do understand that Cyberpunk 77 wanted to be like D&D, &D, where it's like, um, or like Mass Effect, where it's, you have options to do stuff. Yeah. Because I'm sure that if the next Mass Effect comes out, maybe they'll even do a penis option or a vagina option. Maybe. Because, uh, like, you know, it, it's that type of game where it's like, it's story driven and it's based on your choices. D&D &D is like that. Cyberpunk's like that. Depending on what quests you do and what you do in those quests, whether you do them or not. It affects how your game goes.
Hey, we so. all know though that in Mass Effect, Femshep has the biggest dick in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> See, and in uh, Baldur's Gate, you can do that. You can choose your um, your sex, male, female, non-binary, and then you can change your voice and body type to anything you want, and even your bits. Like if you wanted to, you could. Yes, I I have seen the character Ida is playing. Trust me, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, I the game's really fun. I I don't know if you'll like it though, Alex, just because like I know that you don't like D and D's uh, dice system. So I will I say they're very forgiving in the video game. You roll a lot higher than you roll a lot lower. Okay. Also, you can save scum. So right before you roll, there you go. You can also save. So then you can reload it and redo it. I like I like this. This is better than the pen and paper version. <laughs> yeah, where it's like you can't use scum when you're playing pen and paper D and D. You could save scum. And just tell her, look, what's that over there? Roll Hold on, let me reroll. <laughs> uh, no, I mean I do have issues with how D and D handles dice rolls, and it leaves a little bit too much, in my opinion, up to RNG. But. I can live now, with it if it's a little I, I more I do forgiving. understand that point because to really get the most out of your dice rolls, you have to min-max your character, like I said, in mm. the current, um, like with my <laughs> Asterian character. He has at minimum on a dexterity check of freaking plus 11. So it's like if I roll a 5, it doesn't matter because most skill checks are 10. And I have plus 11. <laughs> so as long as I don't roll a 1, I'm fine. So... It's like that in real D&D too, but to get to that level, you have to be very knowledgeable about D&D, hmm. which is like a shame because it's, it's yeah, not very it's, noob friendly. Yeah, and that's kind of, a, I think, a glaring issue in the rule set that you have to be that versed in it. And so it's not very new person friendly. Yeah, but I mean, look at who <laughs> look at who D&D is made for, dude. It's for nerds who love min-maxing. It's for people like me. <laughs> True, but you have to get into it first. Bro, everyone has to, to play the have everyone has to play their first game eventually. Okay, literally, I right before I played Baldur's Gate, I was playing Code Vein. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I've had this in my inventory for like three years or four years. I, I still have never played that game. I it's anime souls so I was like okay I'll fucking play it because I have nothing else to play right now because I was, I was done with Apex and I had nothing else to fill the void in my life so I started playing Code Vein and I hated the game at the beginning you know what started making the game super fun for me hmm. when I started looking up builds for min maxing <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like then all of a sudden I'm like this game is amazing I love min maxing <laughs> it was like I love min-maxing in general, like in everything in my life, hmm. min-maxing my own real personal life to all my video game characters. So I, yeah, D and D is made for people like me. They just <laughs> like that stuff. I love like the numbers run the numbers. The numbers. What do they mean? <laughs> shocking. An Asian person who loves math. <laughs> I know. Shocking as hell, man. You are really doing those stereotypes a favor, John. <laughs> I'm the most stereotypical, unstereotypical Asian you'll ever meet. Let's see. What is John? Well, he's getting into game design. He likes programming. He likes numbers <laughs> and mathematics. He can't drive. I mean, what? <laughs> I can drive. It's the other people hitting me. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I definitely do plan to get the game. And we probably will stream it on uh, our YouTube channel at some point. 
just don't know exactly when yet. Um, and who knows? Maybe I'll end up liking it. Maybe I won't. But my whole point is, regardless of whether I end up liking it or not, the way this game was developed should be the actual fucking norm for AAA games. They should release as largely finished games, you know, minor bugs notwithstanding, because every game's going to have, you know, minor graphical bugs and shit, and those can get patched out pretty easily. And having no microtransactions. I don't know who whoever it was that came up with the idea of microtransactions should burn in fucking hell for eternity. No, it, it's because it's, it's greed, right? Yeah. So gone are the days where to make money for a video game, you sold a good video game. <laughs> and that was now, it. Now, intro, you know, free games that have microtransactions, like, you know, Fortnite, Apex, stuff like that. How to make money is make a really cool IP that people will just keep giving you money for. Why sell one video game when I can sell you a battle pass every month? Yeah. You know, like, and at, at, at the end of the day, this is something that the industry is going to have to sort itself out. Like there are plenty of people splintering off from AAA studios, making their own actual studios, uh, indie, like becoming indie themselves. Mm -hmm. They're indie, but not indie in my opinion, but because they are, they're already established and, and, in this. And scene. some of them are making some fucking amazing games already. Yeah. And it's like, cause game development has always had, uh, at least the people, <laughs> the game developers that I know of, they've always had a passion for making a game for making their product. So, and that does translate. So obviously the people who worked on Baldur's Gate, they love D and D. They certainly so have a passion for it. They have a passion for it. And it shows like the, the writing, the interactions, everything about it. It's like a nerd's fucking wet dream to, to be able to actually play D and D, but by yourself, <laughs> a DM's dream. <laughs> he gets to play. DMs finally. can finally play D and D. Oh, but yeah, I, I just, I feel like this, it's good that the game is doing well because it was made this way. It was made to be, you know, go out as a largely finished game, no microtransactions. Um, I think any kind of deal, like small DLC, I think they even said is probably going to be free. The only kind of DLC I think they said they'd ever charge for is stuff that's like, you know, giant expansions. Expanded campaigns, yeah. Yeah. You know, like regular D&D &D does. <laughs> yeah. Expanded campaign stuff. The extra um, new books. <laughs> which, you know, if, if you're adding... 15 20 hours of content i don't mind throwing an extra 10 15 even 20 dollars your way i think that's yeah. that's good value for money in, in terms of entertainment especially if it's a game you can replay which it obviously being dnd boulder's gate is a game you could replay uh yeah no there's so many because i fucked up so many choices in the beginning so i i'm gonna i'm so excited to beat the game and then replay it hmm. because now i can play and do different things <laughs> So um, I am very excited because I want to see like the differences and stuff like but that. But I, I think you could do a similar type of thing, no matter whether you're making an RPG, an action game, a sports game, whatever. You could do all of this in any game genre. Well, there's also the curse of like I think Baldur's Gate 3, at least on Steam, it just hit seven hundred concurrent players. Mm. Seven hundred thousand, you mean? Seven yeah, seven hundred thousand. <laughs> if it was only seven hundred, that would be very disappointing. <laughs> I mean, I meant it in the thousands, but yeah, 700,000 concurrent players at peak time, which is insane for a single player RPG. But it's just like Elden Ring was like that, where it, like, it reached, I don't fucking remember, 2 million concurrent online players or something at yeah. its peak on the first like month. And then it drops off like in charts. And then people are like, is Elden Ring dead? It's like, no, it's an RPG. 
And Baldur's Gate is the same thing. Like Baldur's Gate is going to see this huge boom of people. And then it's going to drop all the way down after like a month because people are done playing it. Yeah. And I don't know why game journalists are look at this and be like, oh my God, it's a dead series. It's like, no, it's okay to have a game that you play. And when you're done playing, you stop playing. But the thing like, is, if you have a, if you, they come out with a big expansion, you're going to see those numbers go up again. Yeah. Well, the problem is that a lot of game studios, a lot of game companies, um, publishers and stuff, they want that concurrent number to not fluctuate. They want a steady base of like, instead of having at peak 900,000 and then go dip down to like 10,000, 20,000, they just want a concurrent 300, 400,000 players every day. Yeah. Because that's going to give you the most steady income, right? Because that you can factor into like, because, okay, here's the numbers again. If you have 300,000 concurrent players, you can quantify the amount of percentage you're going to get of revenue from these people. So having them play every day, you can always bet on making at least this much money. Let's say 1% of that 300,000 pays for your battle pass every month or something mm -hmm. or buys stuff. And they spend, let's say 50 bucks, right? 1%, 300,000, that's 300 people or 3,000 people. And 3,000 people are paying you $50, 50 a month. You know, and you have a steady income. You have at minimum that income, right? And realistically, it's more like people whale and stuff. So it's it's better for showing your uh, shareholders is what I'm trying to get at. This is yeah, why it, they want to have that like a steady amount of players every day because they it's easier to quantify all that to share to shareholders and be like, we are making this much daily hmm. invest in our company. So that's why. Yeah. It's a shame that it has to be like that, though. Yeah, it's a shame that games are being run like freaking Fortune 500 The stock companies. market. Yeah, it, it is. It really is. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into to Baldur's Gate just to see what it's like. Um, and I do agree with you, John. I don't think it's as horny as people are making it out to be. I think it's a lot of that's just in people's heads. Well, it's... <laughs> It's because of the marketing, right? Because they showed off the the bear sex scene, and they're just like, "Do you not know about this, Alex?" I think I do because I think I've seen it. So there is a character in the game who's a druid, and he can um, wild sh shape. He can shape ship sh shift shape into a freaking bear. He's a druid, He's like Beast Boy. <laughs> yes, and uh, there's a specific scene with uh, I believe it's a Starian in the trailer i didn't actually watch the trailer i just know about it secondhand where the romance sequence happens and it's like the druid comes back in his bear form <laughs> for a night of fun <laughs> so they did push that trailer out and that's what like made people go oh my god Baldur's gate is so horny uh after playing it myself hmm. it's not that horny like you you can if you felt like it you could take off people's underwear and their armor, and they would be naked the entire time. Mm -hmm. You can do this in, in Baldur's Gate. So, yes, you could make it like that, but it's like, is that horny? They're just naked the entire time. And that's also super stupid, because now you have no AC, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but. Eh. Anyway, I think that's enough. Uh, I think we've been we've been going for, what, an hour and a half or so? Yeah, uh, just about. Oh my god! Wow, it's just us two. Just, just us two, man. We can talk, man. 
I we're, I know I can talk. Yeah, uh, we yeah, I know. <laughs> Ask my wife. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, "Honey, I need to tell you about the Bolshevik revolution." <laughs> She'd be like, "Oh, okay." Hold well, on, you me see, put my, back in me, <laughs> me put my headphones on. <laughs> I don't know. I just get like that sometimes. You see, John, she's called Shinobu Oshino, and Shinobu <laughs> is written with the kanji for heart and heart blade. Under, heart, and and it means it's a double meaning because back in the day, ninjas or Shinobu would be heart under blade because the mission mattered the most. See, it was symbolic, and you see here in the breaststrokes. <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> Uh, with that, I do want to thank everyone uh, for stopping by to watch our uh, monthly dump this month. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff down below if you like what you saw and wanted to see more. Also, tell us how horny Boulder Skate 3 is for you, I guess. <laughs> it's as horny as you want to make it. Um, check down below also where you can find links to Anime Club After Dark on uh, Discord. Do join our Discord server if you're not already a member because we have John giving thigh shot counts every single week. <laughs> every um, week. Without every fail. Week. Um, on Twitter and we also have a link to our merch store down there where you can buy uh, ACAD merch and really help us out. With that though, I have been your host Alex and I will see you next time. Say goodnight John. Goodnight. Bye. I've completely run out of things to drink. I have no more water. I have no more coffee. It's all gone. And I take a a big sip. sip. <laughs> oh man. I before we go, I want your I want your uh your prediction. How many thigh shots are we gonna get in the new episode of Ryza? All right, going with the current trend. Actually, let me pull up my pie chart. <laughs> <laughs> Need a fucking press conference for the thigh shots. <laughs>